Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks, the podcast. This is series number four, episode number four. Today's date is Friday, June the 30th, of 2023. It's JJ Septon, and starting things off with my good friend, co host, and co blogger, CBD. Uh, we actually uh, recorded a, a portion of an episode, or tried to record a portion yesterday, but had some technical difficulties. And uh, unfortunately, we got about half of the show recorded, but uh, we will be joined later on. Uh, with that portion for, by our friend and with our friend and misanthropic humanitarian. But until then, CBD, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. That was very polite of you to say technical difficulties. Uh, folks, I screwed it up. I apologize. Um, we, we actually, it might be a diamond in the rough, though, because we're going to buff it a little bit and cut out some of the cursing. And in about 15 seconds, when you hear our first topic, you will understand why there was much cursing yesterday when we recorded it. And that topic, of course, is the junior... Supreme Court Justice, uh, who I will call Jumanji Jackson, um, and her <laughs> hyper-emotive blathering of bullshit and racial grievance as a pathetic rebuttal to the resounding victory of the Constitution over race-based preferences in, in our universities. She tried to rebut the obvious answer to the question of whether Harvard can use race, Harvard and the University of North Carolina can use race as one of the measures of their prospective students. And of course, the Constitution says, no fucking way. Uh, oh, yeah. See, I was going to not curse, but now I see, <laughs> see what happens. Jumanji Jackson pulls the curses out of me. And there is no rebuttal because it's it's patently uh, anti-freedom, anti-liberty, and against the, the spirit and the letter of the Constitution. At any rate, the Supreme Court held appropriately. I, I know that that Sefton has a slightly different take on it, which I think is very interesting, and I'm going to let him explain. You bet. So much for the non-freaking non, non uh, cursing. But in any event, yeah, and I call her, by the way, not just Jumanji Jackson, but uh, with the brown, I call her a Kentanji uh, Brown 25. For all you um, GrooveTube fans out there, you'll get the reference. But in any event, as you said, CBD, her rebuttal to this, or the uh, the dissent, I should say, from the, from the decision, was so puerile and so just – lacking in, in, in not even in, in just the, you know, a, a ridiculous trying to twist the Constitution. It didn't even mention the Constitution at all. It was just an absolute tour de force of the typical bromides and race grievances and, and nonsense that you would expect. It, it, was, it was absolutely horrible. But my one thought about this whole thing, and believe me, I'm cheering that this thing has been has been tossed. And I mean, it was almost tossed. This goes back and we discussed this yesterday a bit. To the uh, Baki decision, uh, a gentleman named Baki was a University of California medical student who was denied admission because he was white, basically, and someone else was, who, who was black was put ahead of him who was not as qualified uh, academically as he was. And it took many, many years for the thing to get to the courts. And ultimately, of all people, Sandra Day O'Connor, who was a Ronald Reagan appointee, upheld the decision. And that was in 2003. So that's 20 years now we've had to still put up with this. But in any event, I had a thought about the whole thing, and that was this. Look, let's say that there is a university system or a college or whatever you want to call it that is not a public institution but is a private university and states its policy up front that we are going to base our admissions upon race and so on and so forth and the disadvantage, and we will do a diversity, equity, and inclusion as a, over meritocracy. As long as there are other universities out there that will say, well, we won't do that and, you know, let the free market kind of reign supreme and do its thing. I mean, if the left is going to force uh, the baker, Jack Phillips, to bake 
a, uh, a homosexual wedding cake against his or to decorate it against his his will, then um, then isn't the shoe on the other foot in this instance? As we discussed beforehand, I don't think you take that tack, but it's just kind of a passing thought I had. But anyway, you well, may, you I, may re- I, I my rebuttal. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I disagree with you. And that it's mostly because there is no such thing as a private university. Um, every university I can think of except for Hillsdale College takes federal money. And when they take my money, then they have to have a colorblind admissions policy. If they're willing to forego the huge amount of money that the federal government and state governments pays every single university in the country, except for Hillsdale, and I'm sure there are a few other religious colleges that, uh, that don't Jones, take any money. Maybe. Yeah, then that's fine. But uh, they don't exist. You know, if you look at the, the bottom line at Harvard, Yale and Princeton and, and you know, Stanford, so on. They get billions and billions of dollars in research money and other funding from the federal government. So that's the bed they made and they're going to have to sleep in it. Your points are well taken. And I I totally forgot about that salient point that that, uh, universities, private universities take billions and billions of dollars in public money. And yes, we should not be forced to subsidize an anti-constitutional edict, which as I said this morning, is basically mirror universe Jim Crow. That, that's all it is. There's no logical reasoning behind, you know, two wrongs theoretically making a right. We are now 60 years beyond you know, the civil rights uh, amendments, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and the horrendous uh, Great Society, which basically, which ironically enough, was meant to supposedly uh, elevate black people uh, from from the depths of poverty and discrimination and uh, bring them into the mainstream, and it did the exact opposite. It kept them down and it kept them abused for going on 60 years. And who do they blame? Of course, they blame America and they blame white people and so on and so forth. It's ridiculous. You cannot. And look at the the effects of of ditching the meritocracy. We have inept people uh, who are just basically being uh, admitted to universities. And even when they can't cut the mustard at universities, they lower the admission standards. They lower the testing standards. And now all of a sudden, I think California is now leading the way once again in calling for the elimination of like scholastic aptitude tests, the SATs, as a measure of uh, of admissions and so on and so forth. But when you do this, you you graduate uh, an entire generation or generations of inept and incompetent people who do not know how to um, you know, to build bridges who do not know how to construct submarines and submersibles to go to the Titanic and and so on and so forth. And we are really uh, we're diversifying ourselves into into the into an early grave or a late grave. Rather than I agree. And, and what and and inter- interestingly enough, I well, perhaps it's interesting, but I think that this is the death knell uh, for the elite university. What they're doing is saying that we will no longer admit students that they're admitting that they are no longer going to admit students based on the excellence of their high school work and, or, and you know, in, in the case of, of graduate work, graduate school, the, the excellence of their undergraduate work. So what they're saying is that, OK, Harvard College on to, you know, Stanford engineering is no longer going to be an impressive thing on one's resume. So the question is, where will those excellent students go if they know that Harvard is no longer going to have the cachet because they will freely. Let, let's face it, they're going to break the law. They're going to do what they want to do regardless. They'll find a way to weasel their way around it. So the question is, where will the excellent students go? So in 20 years, somebody opening up a an engineering firm, where is he going to go for his great young engineers? Is he going to go to Stanford? Probably not. Is he going to go to the University of Alabama or you know University of 
well, I can't think of any other school that is is quite so high in the in the hierarchy. University of Florida, perhaps, places that will reject this sort of race-based admissions. So maybe the Ivy League has has signed its own death warrant by clearly they you know I'm projecting obviously, but they right. will well, not obey the Supreme Court decision. Well, here, here's the other part of the the, the the predicament that is really a dangerous situation is the public school systems in 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 America from K to 12, and uh, they are also pimping these um, these notions of racial grievance via the 1619 project and what I call Jive Camp, the uh, Ibram Excrement's uh, horrendous book about how to be an anti-racist and so on and so forth, People's History of the United States. They are teaching things like woke math, if they're teaching mathematics at all, claiming that, you know, one plus one, to know that one and one is two is, is a racist concept. So they are literally not only brainwashing America's children uh, to hate their country and to hate their heritage, but they're not teaching them basic skills that they need, like read and write and arithmetic, in order to function in a, in a functioning society. This is very dangerous. And on top of that, you have medical schools, which are now teaching concepts, literally that, that's out of playbook of, of a man named Trofim Lysenko from the old Soviet Union, who are teaching that like racism, the effects of racism can, can be uh, measured on, on, a, on a person of color's uh, physiology. And these kind of things where they are not admitting the most qualified students to become doctors, as was the case with uh, Backy back in 1978 in California. And they're just admitting people based on on a color chart. And we are going to be graduating if we can graduate engineers and doctors who are completely, utterly and totally inept in the skills that they need for our world to function and ourselves to function properly. This is not going to end well. I agree. Let, I, I want to um, return to something that you mentioned about baking the cake. There sure. was a, the um, Supreme Court also held in 303 Creative versus Alanis. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I don't know if you recall, but yes. Colorado was trying to force a website designer to design for uh, you know some uh, gay marriage or transgender. Who the hell knows what, what the person was trying to force them to do. And the Supreme Court held against that idea. It held for the First Amendment, which pleased me greatly. I don't know if you're familiar with this case. I have heard of the case. Yes, I did. Yeah, it it just came down today. So, uh, you know, anyway, I think that's another harbinger of things to come from this court. And can you guess who which three justices were in dissent? Um, Let's see. Uh, It was. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes, it was Hugo Black, and uh, yeah. <laughs> because remember, once you go black, you never go back. No, it was probably Sotomayor and uh, Kagan and and uh, and, and Brown twenty five. Yeah, exactly. So of course, I mean, it's it's ridiculous, and you know, it, this is the thing. With, we, we talked about this, and I think we've written about it. You've written about it. Certainly, Mannix and others have written about it on the blog. The notion of having the Supreme Court where. For me, anyway, this notion that we need balance, quote unquote, on the court, the left always claims us. I mean, no, we don't need balance. We need people who are going to uphold the Constitution. That's what you need. And this is the problem with the left is that virtually 99.9% of the things that they ever promote and so on and so forth on an agenda basis are completely anti-constitutional. So what do they do? 
they, they want judge, justices and jurists who will just just not look at the Constitution and claim it's living and breathing. We have to live and breathe with the times. And so what that, uh, you know, the Second Amendment, the hell with it. We it's it, it's an outmoded and outdated thing. We, we want to get rid of it. And that's just for one example. But no, everybody on that court should be an originalist. And that's the, that is the, the be all and end all. They are there to defend and uphold what is what is constitutional. And of course, as we know. That is completely not the case. And when they scream and shout about having balance and it's a living and breathing constitution and, you know, and so on and so forth, you just want to you want to hit your head against the wall. But that's the situation we're in. And it's not just the Supreme Court. It's many, many courts that are that are down the line that, as we have seen uh, most recently in a number of states that have passed laws preventing child mutilation, uh, a la transgenderism. And these courts have said, no, you can't do that. You got it. You got to force the kids to get mutilated. Sorry. It's their it's their right. And, and so where do you, you go from there? Well, it's a living, breathing constitution, as you point out. You know, I was yeah. curious what Jumanji Jackson, who very who will famously be known for not knowing what a woman is during her confirmation hearings. Um, exactly. I'm curious whether she knows what a black person is, because if she can't define what a woman is, how can she support race based admissions if, you know, a, black woman aren't they pretty much on the same continuum i guess but i guess we need to now have <laughs> here comes godwin's law again folks uh we need the nuremberg laws to define who is who is black who is not black uh we need the, the paper bag test to hold up to the skin to see uh you know who, who passes the test but the ironic thing of course is that someone like clarence thomas who is probably arguably the greatest jurist of the last 50 to 100 years uh, barring perhaps antonin scalia and pardon the expression, blacker than the ace of spades when in terms of melanin content. But when it comes to his uh, what he feels in his heart and what he knows in his head about what is and what is not uh, what is not right uh, regarding America and the Constitution, uh, he's a, he's he's wider than George Lincoln Rockwell, of course, or wider than Hitler. But that just means that it's one thing. It just explodes the myth that uh, the Democrat Party and the left are there to uh, to uphold uh, you know, minorities because they don't care about minorities. If you don't think the way that they want you to think, then you're not black. And that's it. So what does it all mean? It doesn't mean anything. Racism just means that you don't agree with what, what the Democrat leftist mean du jour happens to be. And so it's obvious. Clarence Thomas really is an impressive man. And, and oh, what, yeah. what I really appreciate is in his writing is that he does not deny racism. He accepts it as part of our history, he also understands that we have for, well, we did for the most part move past it until we elected a gentleman in 2008 who decided that racial grievance was his ticket to power. And Barack Obama was 100% correct. You know, in 15 years, we have backslid so much in the United States with race. It's, I mean, it's shocking to me how badly we are doing today compared to just a few years ago. Well, and so unnecessarily this trip was, so, I mean, it, it is such, it, it is such a tragedy. He truly is and for, for all intents and purposes. He probably is still running the government or at least the, the ones that were running him are running the government, whether it's Valerie Jarrett and the other idiots, uh, Susan Rice and so on and so forth. But yeah, he, he literally took a, a blowtorch to this country. I mean, we were healing and he just ripped apart the scars of, of yes, look at the problems of this country. And that's just it. The problems of this country are not defined by the problems. The problems of this country were defined by the way we handled the problems. We fought a freaking civil war to free slaves. We enacted all these laws 
you know, way, way back to try to, to end racism. I mean, and where was the source of the racism? It was always the Democrat Party. It was the Democrat Party that fomented the Civil War. It was the Democrat Party that, that started the Ku Klux Klan. It was the Democrat Party that instituted Jim Crow laws and so on and so on and so forth. Does and that it's the mean Democrat that Party that today is, is moving back to segregation. Absolutely. It's amazing. There was a couple of articles I just had uh, this morning where it was just it's hideous. This woman at this the city council meeting, I think it was in Milwaukee, basically saying, and pardon my French, uh, you know, fuck the suburbs. That's number one. And number two, there was the reparations hearing in California where this literally knuckle dragging chucklehead was talking about, uh, you know, demanding money and demanding a, a separate state for black people. Uh, like, you know, hello, Liberia, I guess. And of course, who, who were they praising before the meeting? It was Gavin Newsom who talked about about potentially the presidential candidate. I mean, oh in many ways, we're worse than we were in the 1940s and 50s. I, you can make the argument that and, and I believe me, I am not in favor of Jim Crow. I am not in favor of segregation and so on and so forth. But at least in the 1950s, before the before the this whole before the movement was co-opted by leftists and Marxists. The, there was, the black family was intact. There was a mother and father and children. A black man and a, a black woman stayed home and, and was the mother. And a black father sought work and got work and, and worked his ass off to, to make better for his ch- children, like every other family in, in, in the country. And we were well on our way to, to finally for black people to literally lifting themselves off their bootstraps and joining the mainstream. But of course, for that to happen, that would mean that the Democrats, who, whose power uh, rests on grievance and and the and the uh, underrepresented, they couldn't have that because there goes their base. That's another reason why they opened the borders, but that's another story. Well, uh, a famous racist named uh, Thomas Sowell has written extensively oh, about the movement of black America into the middle class um, in the 40s and 50s, and it accelerated tremendously. And in fact, unless I'm recalling incorrectly, blacks were moving into the middle class at a greater rate than any other minority group in the United States. Of course, that screeched to a halt with Lyndon Bain Johnson's uh, Great Society in the mid to late 60s. And he supposedly said that if his policies passed, that, quote, the niggers would be voting Democrat for the next 200 years, which is perhaps the, the greatest racist comment of all time, because it, I mean, it encapsulates everything that the Democrat Party is all about. Absolutely. The only time they care about black people is uh, once every two years when they can get them to the polls, or at least they can get a couple of them to the polls to stuff the ballot boxes by factors of a thousand or more. But that's another story, too. Horrible, horrible human being. And that's exactly what they did. Look what happened after after that. You had rates of um, unwed motherhood. You had welfare. You had blacks being incarcerated and jailed and dying from crime in the streets and the ghettoization. I hate even using the word ghetto because it doesn't it's it's a it's a reference to something completely different. You had slums and so on and so forth and you had abortion. I think black Americans were on the way to becoming something uh, like 30 something percent of of uh, the population because of Roe versus Wade. I think they're they're hovering at maybe around 17 and plummeting. I mean, you talk oh, about it's a lot less than that. I think it's 12 or 13 percent. And it's, it's a terrible it's thing. Institution, it's, uh, it's you institutional talk about genocide. genocide. Yeah, it's Bingo, absolutely institutional genocide. The, you know, the, the the joy with which the Democrat Party, the progressives in, in America push abortion on minorities, in particular black America, is vile. And it's peeling back 
the facade and showing the true evil inside them. It's disgusting. And what really disappoints me is that black churches, for the most part, have not pushed back nearly as hard as they should be. This is large-scale murder of black people in America, and they accept it. Uh, you know, and I remember very distinctly, maybe it was 10 years ago, within the last 10, 15 years, I remember somebody put up a, there was a billboard campaign in some of the inner cities around the country, basically, you know, saying that uh, abortion is genocide. And boy, was there a lawsuit and a stink from the left, especially from from Planned Parenthood. And they got those things removed very, very, very quickly. And that's kind of a, a telling remark. But, you know, just to sort of circle to a subject that I know we disagree on, which is abortion, and I won't you know, I'll just make this point. If we can somehow, if our party, if whoever it is can, without hitting it over the head like Lindsey Graham and so on and so forth, but if we can make a point of this, boy, how powerful would that be? I know a lot of sort of black people that are on the fence about the Democrat Party understand this, but if this message could ever become to, to the fore, I mean, I think that would really that'd be a serious blow to, 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 to their power base. Um, and it's too bad, just even on a moral basis the message should should be uh, touted and shouted from the rooftop well i i agree however let me let me uh, clarify Sefton and i do not disagree at all about the evil of abortion my differences with Sefton are that politically it is a very dangerous topic right now and i think that for the next several years the conservative movement should consolidate its wins. And, we, and th- we've had tremendous wins with respect to ending abortion in America, uh, certainly ending late-term abortion in America. And um, unfortunately, the Democrat Party is superb at using it as a wedge issue and you know, getting their voters to come out in droves or at least uh, using it as an excuse to generate more ballots. So I think, the, as I said, the conservative movement needs to be very, very careful. And they're not. And that's the problem. And as for Lindsey Graham, that rancid piece of shit, he used abortion as a tool to, I mean, how else can I say it, to destroy Republican chances in the 2022 midterms. Uh, He did it on purpose, and it was clearly calculated to help the Democrat Party. That that was absolute sabotage, and I I do not, again, CBD, I don't disagree with you on that. I do understand that. I mean, the Democrats are going to pull that thing out. Like, uh, you know, whatever, throwing granny in the wheelchair and throwing her off the cliff. They just do that instinctively. It's their, it's their go-to. If you just look at Kentanji Brown 25's rebuttal, which had absolutely nothing to do with the Constitution and just was just knee-jerk, the typical propaganda points about uh, America bad, white man bad, black people victims. That's all they have. But, you know, they have the media on their side and they have idiots like Lindsey Graham intentionally doing this crap. But like I said, I mean... I just remember those billboards distinctly up in Harlem and in the inner city in Chicago and just the, the reaction by the, the, the horror of, of, of the left, not only so much as, uh, you know, they, they, they were they hated the thing. They hated what it represented. If it stood up there, like, God forbid, black people should open their eyes and see this as the truth. It would really be, uh, you know, it was like showing the cross to, to Dracula, so to speak. But anyway, that's an that's an aside. It's another yeah. issue. Well, as a, as a segue, um, it's interesting. The left is, you know, they gleefully murder babies in the womb. However, they also come out and say, well, you know, these babies know that they're trans even in the womb. Well, wait a second. You can't have it both ways. <laughs> Which is it going to be? Uh, are you allowed to kill babies in the womb except for when they declare they're trans? I mean, how does that work? You know, 
I'm asking you, you by the way, and I know there's no answer because it's insanity. But <laughs> it is go insanity. for it. Of course it is. <laughs> yes, there is. There's. Isn't there a gay gene in there somewhere? Oh yes, my god! Because remember, they say they say they're born that way. Yeah. Which I I don't. You know, look. To me, homosexuality is either it's either a, a chosen perversion or it's some kind of a mental quirk you have or it's some combination of both. And believe me, I don't care if you're that way. I don't care if some if a man is attracted to a man or a woman is attracted to a woman. So be it. You know, in this day and age, I'm not like the Muslim world or Iran where I'm going to string you up by a construction crane and throw you off of a roof. But at the same token, it doesn't give you the right to dictate to me how we're going to upend 10,000 years of proven human development and civilization as to what works and what does not work in a family to upend the family unit. And then, worst of all, to take children and if not to, you know, to, to turn them into Frankenstein monsters by cutting off their genitals – by turning them into uh, into into objects of sexual desire and making it legal to, to legalize pedophilia. So you're not I am not going to stand for that garbage. But anyway, yes, your your point is taken. If uh, you know, if we know that they're how could you how could you murder future transsex? Maybe there's yeah. our in you know, anti-abortion. Stop murdering transsexuals in the womb. Vote Republican. <laughs> I think we've I think we've cracked the poets. Okay, folks, uh, we're going to take a short break, and we will be back in a moment. So uh, we're, we're going to welcome uh, Misanthropic Humanitarian as our guest for today. We now join the program already in progress with CBD, J.J. Sefton, and Misanthropic Humanitarian. Anyway, okay. um, yeah, you know, Whitmer, she, really, she scares me because she is, I mean, you talk about a conniving, sleazy, power-hungry horror show. She's it. I mean, she and Merrick Garland. Yeah. Uh, are, you know, birds of a feather. I, I, I would I would describe them as as essentially interchangeable. Um, she'll well, do whatever know. it takes. And, and she's uh, that scares me. And she's Soros back, too. So that's um, there's. Oh, there's I didn't know big, that. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah she's that. a she's a Soros babe. She'll have money. You know, there there's yeah. there's no getting around that. She'll have money. I going to say, look at her record during the during, look at her record during the lockdowns. Woman was like was like some of the worst proclivities of a freaking tyrant that 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 you could think of during the, the oh and then, she had the gall to claim oh it was you know we didn't I didn't mean it or it was like it wasn't as bad as they claim it was and I'm going you couldn't I mean you could go into a Home Depot and they would rope off a section you can only buy this for oh, yeah. five and it's like what the hell is that crap it's horrible human being I mean, yeah human being. You, you we'd go to the nearest Walmart which it happens to be across the state line and yeah sections it's just like you, you couldn't buy a can of spray paint because it wasn't essential. What? You're going to keep me at home and I need to paint something? I, you know, I can't go anywhere? And you're, <laughs> oh, fuck. Come on. But, you know, her and her husband could, you know, violate the laws and go yachting or boating or whatever. She will be formidable. But she has not been, to my knowledge anyway, she has not been running a, a stealth campaign like Gavin Newsom. So if Kamala were to, uh, you know, find herself 
committing suicide five times in the back of the head at uh, Macy Park, uh, she'd probably f- be a very, very good fit as VP. You know, it reminds me of that whole thing. Of the, there's a Woody Allen movie, Bananas, where the when finally the rebels take over and, and Vargas is going, all people will wear their underwear on the outside so that we can check. And it's like this is the same insanity with Whitmer closing off one section of a Walmart or a Home Depot and not the other one to, to prevent you from buying spray paint, which what does that have to do with? spreading or not spreading this so-called deadly, you know, horrendous plague. This is a definite clue into her mindset and mentality. And it is just totalitarianism. But then again, I mean, pick your Democrat. I mean, it's the same thing. Newsom was doing the same thing with French, the French laundry restaurant and all this, yep. and, you know, Pelosi mm-hmm. going to hair done. And it's like, well, what was the whole point of it all? The whole point is, is just, to, they didn't want to get caught, I don't think. But the fact is, if they did get caught, they didn't give a damn. Same thing with, what's his name, Phil Murphy in New Jersey when he went to a, you know, you know about the CBD. I mean, crazy. All evil. You get caught lying on tape, you know, like two years ago you say one thing and then two years later you're completely different. It's like, well, here's the tape. And this is like, I never said that. That's just, that's just utter bullshit. They they just. It doesn't matter because they have the press, they have the media, they have everybody, you know, in their back pocket and, and they flaunt it. At this point. It's all of these things. What they're doing is they are basically flaunting their power. I mean, they know they have yeah. it, and now it's a question of cr- crushing the plebs. And uh, you will get in line, or you will be. That's it for you. Yeah, yeah. And they, they, well, they've very seldom have ever met a dictator that they didn't love and embrace. So Augusto Pinochet, uh, notwithstanding. <laughs> oh boy, we can miss him. We can use a man like Augusto Pinochet again. And his helicopters. Uh, I've no, I've nothing to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a better thing. Yeah. Oh boy, we're we're having a, a fine old time uh, watching our republic thrash about trying to decide whether it wants to survive. And we we take a step forward, then a step back, and then maybe another step back. And and it's it's increasingly difficult to stay uh, optimistic about the the future prospects of America. But I think that there are, I mean, the the, the whole pushback against um, the transgender lunacy and the grooming lunacy in the United States is is a satisfying thing to see. As I've said many, many times, uh, Americans love their children and uh, they're pushing a little bit too hard to uh, a little too subsume, hard? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> subsume children into, into the uh, the. If, the leftist if I want if I wanted to be an optimist, I would say that this moment it could be has the potential, please God, let it be, as an inflection point and as a point of no return for which they really did go too far. And you know, whether it takes one year, which I doubt, or five or ten years, it could be the, the beginning of the road back somehow, some way. Please, please, dear Lord, let it be so. Because so many groups are coming out against this thing that it's just you know, between mothers and between Muslims and between black people, why everybody is coming together saying this is nuts and we will not stand for this. Oh, um, when you when you piss off Mo, you're in trouble. Yeah, of course, you know, the people like Brofo Omar and Rancid Taliban or Rashida Tlaib notwithstanding, because their silence is right. kind, of, kind of deafening at this moment over it. But average people, you know, the average as a, you know, from Hamtramck up there or in Dearborn who say you are not going to present homosexual filth in our schools to our children or we kill you or we do whatever we do. I didn't say that. But, you know, I, I can't I can't fault them for that one, you know, because, I mean, as they say, we're coming for your children. 
And usually right. that means they want to come on your children and in your children. And I oh, say, look, God. If, you're oh. if you're gonna come for our children, <laughs> ruins my salient point. If you're gonna come for our children, we're gonna come for your head. I think that that it's getting to that point. I do not promote violence. I do not condone violence. But you got to draw a line somewhere, somehow. Well, you know what? For years and years and years and years, the 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 Democrats, the social libtards, the progressives, they were always, you know, it was always keep pushing, keep pushing a little bit here, a little bit here, you know, and and they would just wear you down, you know, like social security and, you know, Medicare, Medicaid. It's like, well, okay, it's, you know, it's here. Okay. We're not going to fight too much about it. But instead of being kind of one step forward and trying to shove this, this sexual orientation, transgender bullshit down our throats. I mean, they went, they went at it balls to the wall. And and people are just going like, you you can have your gay parade and your pride parade, but, you know, my uh, 10 year old uh, son and daughter really don't need to see some 25 year old freak of nature without his clothes on dancing and twerking and jerking off in front of my children. That's it's like where I work at in the home Web page. It's all this pride month and this person and that person It's just like if I have to work with someone like that I'll work with them I'll be polite I'll be professional but I don't have to fucking embrace this shit I don't have to believe that it's scientifically correct because it's it's not if you're born with an X or a Y that's what you are it was an interesting article that I had linked today from my friend Bob Zimmerman from behind the black blog it's a Terrific website. She goes to check it out. Um, but he was saying that the employees of a, of a particular company were demanded that they stop the whole pride thing. And what was the company? It was Google. I mean, for, for the employees of Google to, to freaking stand up and say, look, we stop this nonsense. Now, whether they did that because it's like you're letting the cat out of the bag or they really were revolted by it, that's debatable. But the fact that, that the employees of Google should speak up for whatever reasons they had to tell the you know, the, the powers that beat enough of the Pride Month stuff. That's kind of telling in a certain way. Maybe it's that says a lot. It says a lot. I think. Well, they're they're simply doing damage control. I don't I don't think that there's any uh, sea change in, in the way they see, you know, the f- future prospects of the uh, let's call it homosexual incorporated, which which has nothing to do with homosexuality and everything to do with politics. Oh, yeah. And let's not pretend that Google has anything other than Google as its its lodestar. It wants power. It wants to change the paradigm across the world. And if they take a step back and because they're they're reading the room, it doesn't mean a damn thing. They are 100 percent opposed to uh, American exceptionalism. They're 100 percent opposed to to any sort of traditional society in America. This is true. Meanwhile, the you know Tranheiser Bush and on and all the other companies are like doubling and tripling down on, even though they're saying, oh no, we fired the we or we got rid of or we <laughs> we suspended whoever the the idiot was or the, the two idiots that ruined their value. Um, they're still doing it. They're just they're just doing it stealthily, like everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but that but it's interesting that you know there is a pushback. There's a huge pushback. So now, what is the pushback to the pushback going to be? And as we've seen in places like Tennessee and in, uh, I believe in Kansas, they're sending white powders, they're sending you know, perhaps bomb threats and death threats to the, the state legislatures for, for introducing legislation to prevent uh, child sexual mutilation. 
So, and of course, we, we still don't have the manifesto or the tranifesto from the uh, transsexual terrorists that uh, slaughtered a bunch of Christian uh, children and, and, and their teachers at a Christian school in, in, uh, in Nashville or, or in Chattanooga or in Tennessee a couple of mm-hmm. months ago. So this is, uh, you know, something's brewing. I mean, see how far they go. So if you're still going to come for our children and you're going to now start tossing bombs and sending anthrax in the mail to make sure that you get them, well, what is our response going to be? What is the response of parents going to be? Uh, it should be interesting. Well, I can't say what I really think, so we'll nope. just leave it at that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> let's, let's leave it unsaid. Uh, I, uh, I think people will act according to their best instincts. And mm-hmm. if that becomes kinetic, so be it. That's just the way it's going to be. Well, then, of course, there's the reaction from the law enforcement community, as we saw with Mr. Neely in, in the New York subway. You try to sustain, you know, try to uh, stop a psychopath from killing people, and by accidentally snuffing him out unintentionally, as it might have been, you're the bad guy, and he was the victim. So, well, Dunconey, Wisconsin, is a lot different than New York City. So, I, you know, granted, it's not so much the law enforcement; it's the judicial side of it. Uh, if the New York City prosecutor wants you to be arrested. You're going to be arrested, you know, even if the cops say no, it's a justifiable uh, action. As we found out uh, earlier this year when Bragg dismissed some bogus charges against uh, that one individual. So we'll see what happens here with this one. And it's sad because now you've got people that are afraid to do the right thing that probably want to do the right thing in New York City, but no good deed goes punished there. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that uh, New York City wants to do the right thing. The voting rate in New York City is pathetically bad. People are resigned to a supermajority of lunatic leftists in all parts of city government. So, you know, they accept it. That's just the way it is. And those are the same people who make up the juries. So I don't I'm, I'm not uh, optimistic about the, the results of that trial. So, anyway. I will say there was there was, a, there was an incident in Brooklyn, actually, that uh Similar in a way, I guess, to, to the Jose Alba you know, stabbing his assailant, rightfully taking his life while he was being, you know, his life was uh, on the line. Uh, a similar incident happened in Brooklyn, and the Brooklyn DA decided, no, we're not going to press charges. It was a justifiable homicide. And then Brooklyn is right across the river from Manhattan. So you got to wonder about, uh, you know, it's 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 an interesting and bizarre dichotomy. But but I was going to say is that the the reason that people won't, you know, are afraid to uh, to, to do the right thing and, and, and take matters into their own hands, not just is because they're afraid of what might happen physically to them, but you know, the, the, it's an, it's not an unintended consequence that Alvin Bragg, that, that this happens. They don't want to do it because they don't want to get in trouble. And that's, they want this. So the chaos mm-hmm. is a self, it's a self perpetuating, a self licking ice cream cone, as it were more chaos, more anarcho terrorism, more people cowering in fear. And uh, then ultimately, hopefully calling for the government to, quote unquote, do something. And when the government does something, they stomp on your rights in order to, you know, for your protection, of course. This is the Reichstag fire writ, writ small, in it, but in, in every in every city, in every blue city in America. Indeed. So, yeah. So I, I'm, I was noticing something in the in the news the last day or so, and that is that uh, the United States Coast Guard is still probing the wreck 
of the Titan submersible. And in fact, they found some uh, what they presume to be human remains, although how they can differentiate between human and crab at that depth, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but what puzzles me is why the hell is the United States government still spending money on this shit show of a tourist trap, literally a tourist trap? Why are we spending money on this? This is outside of our purview. You know, this is a commercial venture. It's clearly an engineering catastrophe. So spending millions and millions of dollars trying to recover bits and pieces of a crappy design, I think, is is just one of millions of examples of the chaos inherent in, in the Leviathan. And that is our, our federal government that seems to think that their business is everything. Now, I know this seems silly, but no, why it's not silly. the hell are we pissing away money we don't have? On this, I think that submarine was designed by affirmative action uh, candidates. Because <laughs> the CEO yeah. of the company was posting that I he, know. Didn't, he didn't want old white guys, you know, manning manning the uh, the controls. And what happens when you, you know, look? Doesn't matter if it's an old an old white guy could be just as incompetent as uh, as an affirmative action candidate as we have seen from Joe Biden and probably you know three quarters to ninety nine percent of all the white Democrats in office. They're just they're completely incompetent boobs but when that's your but when that is your you know your mindset to do this and, and it flies in the face of reason and logic and science and everything else then this is this is a this is a, a result of, but, but circling back to what cbd said yes it's not our this is not our purview to go after this why should we be well you know covering this freaking submarine what if you know look i feel bad for the people i feel bad for the victims right i want to be it's up to the company to, to, to try to rescue it if that's what they want to do. Or some plaintiff attorney. I mean, uh, my guys at Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe would be happy to take that case on. But CBD was right in the very beginning is that uh, our federal government is so big and they they have their fingers into every pie and it's it's wrong. We don't have the money. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this was an international water, so we don't even have a jurisdictional thing. They, they tell us all the time, you know, the courts say, well, you don't have standing. Well, the Coast Guard doesn't have standing in, in international waters. So why? I don't know. And it's just we don't have the money to do it. But obviously, when you print money and uh, according to the dingleberries at the Federal Reserve, this printing money that has and federal spending has nothing to do with inflation it's all our fault so as as being consumers and wanting a dozen eggs for six bucks so there you go to stay on this uh, lovely lovely uh thread of how we piss away money apparently we're rejoining unesco which is a UN, <laughs> oh. UN cultural agency president trump told them to screw off which i think was a wonderful thing to do and of course, the drooling fool in the White House has, well, not he has decided, but his handlers have decided that we need to start paying back the money that we would have been paying them too. Unbelievable. Um, anyway, the, the UNESCO is a is a hard left, anti-American, anti-Israel, anti-Europe, anti-Western culture organization that seems to pimp everything bad about the rest of the world. Um, and yeah, that's just a perfect reflection of of the current administration. Oh, absolutely. It's just, you know, they want, you know, this this government, this Leviathan is just. And it's and it's obvious from the the, the actions in, in bringing charges against Donald Trump 
and in both cover and in covering up the crimes of, of the Biden crime family and every everything else. They are so huge, so big, so entrenched. You mentioned earlier when we were talking about uh, the Supreme Court cases uh, about you know the, the division of you know the separation of powers, and you sort of you mentioned them. I think you, you in sort of passing that you have the uh, the administrative state. The administrative state is not an official branch of government. It, it is a shadow government. It's the government that actually rules this country. There is no real necessarily any lawmaking or any you know executive orders or 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 maybe the, the you know the, the judiciary passes a, a ruling, which of course if it's a ruling that favors us, it will be totally ignored. But if it favors the leftists, it will be enforced in the letter. So this is this is the pickle that that we are presented with. And you know even if there are fair elections, even if a Ron DeSantis or a Donald Trump or uh, whoever the candidate may or may not be Republican, even if he or she or whoever go, gets into office and wants to do things that, you know, that, that denudes the power of this of this literally unconstitutional Leviathan, it will be stopped. It, there'll be lawsuits that, or there'll just be plain old insubordination, as we saw with, uh, with the actions of people like Bearclaw Vindman and others. When we wanted to pull out of Syria or wherever it was we were going to pull out, they just refused to obey the orders. The, the DOD just said, no, we're not. We're going to leave our troops there. And it's like, well, what do you do? And what do you do in that case? As uh, Joe Stalin once said uh, to his opponents, uh, when, when the Pope objected to what he was doing in the Soviet Union, he said, well, how many divisions does the Pope have? Well, it's the same thing. How many divisions does Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or whoever have? You know, it's, it's, it, this is, this is the pickle that we are in. We have, uh, a shadow government, which more and more is no longer shadow. They are out in the open. And uh, I mean, does anyone really think that Merrick Garland is really going to face any consequences? Let's say Merrick no. Garland steps aside or even if he is impeached, you know, whatever. The next person in line that replaces him is going to be just as bad, if not worse than he was, because their bench is deeper and darker than the frickin Titanic. And it's not I mean, as I said, Trump came in to drain the swamp. Little did he know that the swamp was the size of the Pacific Ocean and as deep as the Marianas Trench. I mean, how do you how do you solve that? Solve that problem, and you know, are, are happy, <laughs> happy days are here again. I can't answer that question either. Well, Damn. Uh, hmm. well, I, I, you know, I could, but I, 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 I want to yeah, be, I want to be, I want to be reinvited here again in another <laughs> six months or whatever. So. Oh. Even if we reinvite you, you might get arrested and throw in the gulag. Yeah. Person. You know, the, the thing is, is the, the, the swamp, the deep state, it's here. And I, I hate to be the, the pessimistic guy that I am, uh, a, a reelected President Trump, uh, uh, a DeSantis, uh, hell, even that uh, Nikki Haley. It's, it's, it's going to be a speed bump a speed bump and that's it it will slow it down um it will expose the the corruption and the graph that's there maybe more people pay attention to it you know until actual people get up and kind of i'm using air quotes guys revolt air quote um yeah um, <laughs> but you know you know, maybe if, you know, somebody like <laughs> Mitch McConnell or uh, <laughs> Dakota Cornyn or or even John Kennedy from Louisiana would actually swear out a fucking warrant 
um, some of these. Well, but they can't. But see, that's the problem. You know, as much as I agree with, they can't. They can't swear out warrants. They can't have. Yes, they can. They can. They can take their press conference people and and they can march into some federal prosecutor's office and make it public. I mean, I'm saying, will they do it? No. Do they have standing? Probably not. But you know, until you kind of shake up stuff, you're you're just going to have this, and it, and it can't be just the president alone to, to shake up the deep state and the and the swamp and and, and shake it out. It's got it's got to be a, a team effort. Okay, and that's and that's exactly what mitigates against a Trump president, a second Trump president. Oh, oh yeah, that is that well, his, you know, he he's he's convinced that his cult of personality is sufficient to get people to do what he wants them to do. And it was simply not the case. It wasn't the case from 2017 to 2021, and it won't be the case from 2025 to 2029. And, and it's, you know, as much as it pains me to say, even if he does win, he will fail again because he simply does not appreciate the extent to which the administrative state is against him and it's it's well, a function of his it's, ego it's a, it's partly a function of his of his years in in private industry where if somebody doesn't do what he tells them to do he fires them and that's the end right of it. that's not how our government works and that's no. why a man like ron DeSantis, who has some experience i'm not telling you that he is the most experienced at this but he has some experience with the leviathan he has some experience dealing with entrenched administrative drones who are who work actively against him and until the republican party appreciates that and until the the conservatives the you know the only trumpers in america appreciate that i think that we're in a in a huge amount of trouble well when steve scalise and kevin mccarthy can go to a a freaking state dinner for the indian prime minister while merrick garland and hunter biden and joe biden are in attendance yucking it up and uh, claiming that, oh, well, it's OK. Um, you know, I, I bring, it's a state function. I, I bring my family to things. They can bring their family to things, too. What's the big deal uh, with that kind of attitude from there? I mean, I don't care if Ron DeSantis. I mean, I do care if Ron DeSantis wins. I don't I think he'll run up against the same thing and he'll fail just as badly, perhaps, as Donald Trump, albeit for different reasons than the ones you pointed out, CBD. But I really think it's a I just don't see. I think that the way that our system and the way that the corruption is so endemic and being that the corruption is the system, I just don't think that any opposition to it, at least coming from the aspect of electoral politics or legal means and so on and so forth, is necessarily going to be able to do the trick. I I hate to have to say that, but I just I, I can't see it considering Everything that's arrayed against us that we here on this podcast just today have pointed out, and certainly on podcasts past. Well, that's cheery. Thank you so much for that. I'm You're very welcome. My now. Okay, very good. On that cheerful note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anything else floating around in the news that uh, that seems interesting? Yeah. Well, there was a no, there was a perfect game pitch yesterday by the Yankees and. You know, just in passing, I never really was a Yankee fan, but still I was a baseball fan. I was a sports fan until the usual uh, suspects messed it up with politics. And just as I'm getting ready to sort of cheer this, you know, cheer this uh, achievement and say, well, it's devoid of politics. I find out that the pitcher was in trouble and was suspended for like spousal abuse. 
So I'm going, gee, thanks guys. Thanks for ruining my, uh, <laughs> marking my mellow in that one. So, oh boy. I mean, I can't even, you can't even catch a break with, with something good like that. Oh boy. What a, what a freaking world. Well, I am a Yankee fan and, um, and I'm familiar with Domingo Herman's, uh, record. Uh, he's, he's a, he's a, uh, inconsistent, but great pitcher. And you know something, um, whether he did it or not, doesn't matter. Uh, he paid his penalty. So, uh, that should be in the past. Um, I'm not going to tar him with the, you know, the, with the abuse tag, uh, for the rest of his life. I simply don't care anymore. I'm, you know, I, I cheer for the laundry anyway, so, uh, it's not that big a deal, but it is, it's marvelous. Even though he did throw this perfect game against what is perhaps the worst team in baseball, the Oakland athletics, who will soon be the, uh, Las Vegas athletics. If there's any sanity left in, in baseball, the athletics uh, is where you tuck your junk and <laughs> what? No, I'm not kidding. The athletics, I know they will be. Yeah, I, I hear you. And even there, they're like. Oh, you know, so, so what? So what? CBD is saying is that he's an athletic supporter. I absolutely yeah. am. You know, I used to go to the Oakland Coliseum to see baseball a uh, long, long time ago when I lived in California. And you know, it, it's sort of a Spartan-looking stadium, but it was relatively clean and neat, and uh, and it was convenient to get to, and the weather was always perfect for baseball. So I enjoyed it. People bitch and moan about that about that stadium. But the weather is pretty much the best there is. So, Those are the users, I guess, uh, you know, Charlie O. Finley and, uh, you know, Sal Bando, Reggie Jackson, Raleigh Fingers. Well, I'm not, I'm not that old. <laughs> Vita Blue. <laughs> oh, my nemesis because he oh, beat my nemesis. shit, I am. Oh, <laughs> you are that old, Stevie. You're only a year younger than I am, so you, you should remember. And, and, no, I've stopped, I've stopped aging. Sorry, I'm, I'm not going to do that and, anymore. And the Oakland Athletics used to to be the Kansas City Athletics. So there you go. You How's that? Philadelphia. The original yeah, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. No, no, that's even, but you know, that's, that's Vic's timeline there. Ain't yeah. mine. Anyway, my friends, I think we have run out of subjects and topics and uh, invective and, uh, and vulgarities to hurl at you today. Uh, this has been the Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks podcast. JJ Sefton here. Always a pleasure. Thank you for your contribution to the chip tip jar. We really appreciate it. Keep the cards and letters coming. So for CBD and Misanthropic Humanitarian, we will see you on the next one. Thanks for listening, folks.